Nate, your Divrei Torah made my heart sing. Thank you for being so thoughtful. Ian, I love how you got inside of the experience of the Nazarite. I think most of us look at that whole phenomenon as something strange and foreign, and you brought us inside of it with so much empathy, imagining what it would be like to strive so hard to be close to God, only to have an accident derail you from the goal. And from this very particular scenario, you drew an important observation that many of us blame ourselves or others for things over which we have no control. And blaming the victim is the phenomenon we see in our world today. And Nate, your Devar Torah took also, you, from an equally minor detail in Torah, you, the, the gender of the chieftains and their offerings, you discerned a much larger pattern, similarly, of, but in your case, of gender discrimination in Torah, but more so throughout Jewish tradition. And what I thought was most compelling about your Devar Torah was the evidence that Jewish tradition actually became more sexist, not less sexist, over time. That male rabbis across the centuries chose to interpret patriarchal Torah texts maximally to exclude women from formal leadership roles and enforce gender hierarchies. And this remains true about much Orthodox Judaism today. It is in many cases more restrictive of women than previous generations were. Putting your two ideas together, we might reflect on our assumptions and misconceptions about progress. I think many of us imagine that humanity is naturally progressing with time, that progress in human society is inevitable as we learn and improve in each generation. Progress is real in some regards, and I don't think we have the time or space to explore this question in all of its dimensions, but the point I think that you're making, Nate, is that progress has to be won. For example, we tend to think that there's progress in America around racial justice. And you spoke about questions of racial injustice, Ian. But we tend to think that our country is more equitable by race than it was 50 years ago, say. But I don't know if people saw a little quiz in the New York Times this week using data from Columbia University's Lippmann Center for Journalism and Civil and Human Rights, which demonstrated otherwise. One of the measures of inequality is earnings. And in 1970, black men earned 59 cents for every dollar white men earned. Guess what the number was in 2019? 56 cents. It had actually gone down by three cents over 50 years. And while 77% of white Americans own a home today, less than 50% of black Americans do. The peak year for black homeownership was 2004, almost 20 years ago. And according to the Washington Post article from 2020 and a Center for American Progress report from that same year, the combination of the Trump presidency and, a pandem and the pandemic set women's equality in the United States back, quote unquote, a generation. Donald Trump's despicable rhetoric and alleged assaults against women modeled a crass public misogyny that we really haven't seen in generations. And a 2017 New York Times poll showed that most Americans believed that, quote, it's a better time to be a man than to be a woman in the United States. And then four times as many women as men dropped out of the labor force during the pandemic. And meanwhile, reproduct women's reproductive rights have been repealed across the country, as we all know. Ian, your point about victim blaming combines with these trends in very devastating ways, making both more powerful and less powerful groups believe that they got what they deserved. It turns out that there's an actual psychological reason why people do this. 
It's called the just world bias. It was first identified by social psychologist Melvin Lerner in the 60s. Researchers did experiments in which people watched someone getting punished for something that wasn't their fault. And they were told that the people getting punished didn't do anything wrong. But nonetheless, uh, the observers, the people watching the punishment, said that the person being punished must have done something wrong, even when they were told that the person hadn't. And the harsher the punishment was that they were observing, the more they insisted that the person must have done something wrong. More studies have shown that the people being punished or facing injustice also tend to believe this about themselves, that they must have done something wrong. We can see this bias playing out in the Torah and in the Hebrew Bible and in Jewish tradition. In both Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the Torah tells us that if we do good things, there will be blessings that come to us. And if we do bad things, then curses will befall us. And when, in the year 586 BCE, the Babylonian Empire conquered Jerusalem, taking our people into exile and destroying the temple, the Hebrew prophets told us that it was our fault, that it was because of our sins. And 600 years later, when the Romans conquered Jerusalem, killing many, many people and destroying the temple again, the rabbis told us that it was our fault and because of our sins. In fact, on the next holy day of the Jewish calendar, it'll be July 27th this year, Tisha B'Av, many Jews around the world will fast for a day to mourn those calamities, but for many it's also to atone for the sins that they believe caused them. Now, psychologists say that we do this because we all very much want to believe that the world is fair. So we come up with reasons why unfair things happen. And the most convenient reason is to blame the victim. Psychologist Sherry Hamby says, quote, we want to think that if we do the right thing, it's all going to be okay. It's threatening to see other people not be okay. So we want to come up with an explanation why that experience will not happen to us. Psychologist Laura Niemi adds, blaming the victim comes as a defensive reaction against one's personal worldview unraveling. If something bad happens to you for no reason, then something bad might happen to me too. But if it's your fault that something bad happens to you, then I don't have to worry about it happening to me. So if we see someone earning more money than someone else, we tell ourselves, well, they must work harder or be better at their jobs. And we tell ourselves that a lesser earning person must be lazy or unskilled. And if we see a person in jail, we tell ourselves, well, they must have done something wrong, even if we know that there are all kinds of injustices in our criminal justice system. And if we see widespread inequality in our society by race or gender or other measures, deep down we think, well, there must be something better or more deserving about white people or men, even when we know that there's systemic racism and sexism. And of course, if at some level we think that people deserve what they get, we're much less likely to fight to change it. This means that we all actually have two very specific, very important things that we can do inside of our own minds to make the world more equitable and just. First, we can interrupt our own fair world bias. And when we see injustice or inequality, we can pay attention to our implicit bias that tells us that basically people are getting what they deserve, and instead get skeptical and fact check it. Is it really true that that person works harder? Is it really true that that person did something bad? And when we see that it's not true, we must recognize that there is a problem here and we've got to do something about it. The second thing we can do is to see that progress is not inevitable or natural. 
the world does not become more fair on its own. Instead, it only becomes more fair and more just when people make it so. And there's no one else more likely to do that than you. There's no reason to wait around for someone else to come along to make the world more fair. You are as capable and as responsible as anyone else. So, from two pretty obscure passages from the Torah, the Nazarite and the offerings of the chieftains, Nate and Ian, you have brought us big insights about the world we live in and our own minds, about inequality and injustice, and about how every one of us, every one of us, can be an important part of making the world more fair. Now, we've just got to go out and do it. Shabbat Shalom.